So I see you gave in and you baked a cake. I did bake a cake. I baked a pear and ginger upside down cake after much deliberation because, you know, if you bake a cake, somebody's got to eat the cake. And I'm kind of the only person that eats cake. Sven doesn't eat any cake. It's not allowed. Uh, and Ben doesn't really have the sweetest uh, tooth around. And I have no willpower. So the cake, <laughs> I can confirm, has been going down quite rapidly. But the problem, as you said, in these times of being quarantined is you can't share out your wares. So I made muffins the other day and you make a standard set of 12. And you're thinking, normally I'd say there's one for my mum, my dad, my brother, neighbour. Just give them away to people. But they just sit there. And I can't just give my children six each because that's bad parenting. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Eat them. I don't want any more. Have another one. Even by the end, they're going, I don't want another one. You're like, oh, wow. So the problem is you, you bake because you want to use up, I don't know, whether it's fruit that's going bad. So you think, right, I'll make a cake. The other problem is it was and still is very hard to find flour i know and i have just had a little look in my store and i'm quite low there's not enough in there for anything really so i'm gonna to have to find some i don't know how i'm gonna find some but otherwise there'll be no more baking i had the boys last night saying can you make cookies and i thought i can do cookies that's really easy uh, what don't i have flour i got self-raising flour so i can have these kind of ball type things but i just <laughs> i just do not have flour to make cookies so i was like yeah okay i will uh so that's that's been it's amazing the things that you come up with during because i've got a different issue now i've gone from homeschooling but it's the easter holidays i know it's groundhog day but it's easter holidays so the boys said well we don't have to do schoolwork because it's the holidays so from having some kind of structure I've now got a whole day to fill. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that, I think I think I was better at schooling. This is like games all day, every day. Yeah, I was losing track of the... I totally forgot it was Easter soon. <laughs> so did I. Or that it was holidays or anything. Um, but yeah, I guess there's just an awful lot to do. I mean, my days are essentially the same every single day. In the morning, I do something, some sort of task. Today, it was uh, sorting out my store cupboard cleaning it from top to toe. <laughs> I realised I don't have much flour left. Um, and then I walk the dog and then I come back, I have some lunch and then I can kind of do whatever in the afternoon. So I, my days are kind of fairly structured, but also fairly empty. At the beginning of this, I was kind of, you know, I, I'm not very good if I wake up in the morning and I think, hmm, I've got no plan today. So I would kind of like mentally, I would never really write a list of things to do, but mentally think, well, we've got this to do. That's so I could clean this. I could sort this out. I could clear out this. I've got to walk the dog, whatever it is. And then I started like adding in meals because my day was so sparse. <laughs> so it was like, right, so I should probably eat breakfast and <laughs> then probably do the washing up before <laughs> doing something because I was trying to fill my day with stuff. Now I've got to the point, my days are so sparse, I'm adding in tea and coffee. Okay, <laughs> then I'll probably have a cup of tea. And then <laughs> as if it's a thing. It's like it's part of my day. Now there's two things you've missed out there. Firstly, your pecs. And secondly, your puzzles. The two Ps. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Well, when it comes to the puzzles, I'm a bit, bit I'm more proud of the puzzles because they have been completed. Uh, and that's that's it, really. That, not, not puzzling anymore. Oh, no, no more puzzles. Well, I might go back to the other one again <laughs> at some point. I'm not sure. Oh, you live done. an exciting life, don't you? <laughs> Maybe I'll order a new one. Yeah, so not so much on the puzzles. And when it comes to the pecs, I hate to say it, just like I gave in with the cake, 
I've given in <laughs> with no. the fair challenge. Can I say that firstly, it's really hard. Secondly, it's really dull. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't brightening up my day. It wasn't adding sort of the the good nutrients that I need in my day. It was just a pain and I didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> so I stopped. I've been um, using my new tennis qualification, especially now in these holidays. Have you been coaching? I've been. Can we call it uh, loosely? Yes, we can. Loosely. Shall we call it coaching? I have been using a lot of the things I learned during doing the Miss Hits qualification with the fellas outside. The, the problem is you don't have the biggest garden. And you know, when they're at that age, they're four. They just want to hit it it's like sabalenka they just want to hit it uh, <laughs> did you say that to the boys have you been watching arena is that what's been happening it's, it's very much sea ball hit ball and i say you know you can just sort of push it and when we're using soft balls we're not using ball balls i'm using the softest thing i can find but they're going left into a neighbor they're going right onto the road they're going up onto a roof <laughs> thinking yeah. i just it's getting really expensive tennis with the boys in the garden because I'm just losing and all I keep saying is I'm really sorry and and because of the situation we're in I can't go and knock on the door and say hello I've just come round because you're not meant to be seeing anybody or so climb over the wall into their garden I don't think I do back. that anyway <laughs> <laughs> so but you know what? it really is the hardest thing about teaching little ones tennis it's the fact that we play within a zone and you need to get the ball over and in that zone because so many other sports, it, well, I think it's a natural thing for little ones anyway. They just want to hit things, bash it as hard as they can. <laughs> but it, it, in other sports, if you play cricket or rounders, golf, it, it is just basically hit it as hard and as far as you can. Good job. <laughs> the further, the better. <laughs> but for tennis, we have such a confined space. It's, and also we have a racket to use. So it's one thing like football, you obviously, you want to kick it as hard as you can, but you're only going to kick it with your foot and it's not going to really go that far. I mean, it might go out of your garden if it's not a huge garden. Yeah, but, it has done. But when you're actually <laughs> adding in, but when you're actually adding in a racket with strings, all of which is designed to make the ball go further, it's very tricky when you give that to a four-year-old and say, now, if you just tap it over the net and they just go wallop, like that. So give me give me a couple of tips in not the biggest of spaces, a couple of things I can do with the fellas. Well, the main one that we would do with, with little ones is that you put some sort of spot or cone, some target on the floor, uh, and then you basically have to tap the ball up and get it to land on that spot. Um, just by yourself so you just so that you, the ball bounces on the spot or near the spot and then you just tap it up into the air and try and get it to, onto the spot because that helps them recognize that the harder they hit it the further away from the spot it goes so they then actually just try and be nice and soft with it uh, and then you go on to doing the two of them so they would rally to each other standing either side of the spot and they're one person tries to tap it up to get it to land on the spot and then the other person does the same thing and you can work like that but really in tennis and I'm sure it was like this with the the miss hits course although I haven't done it myself it's all about putting markers out 
because they have to have the targets. Without targets, they will just see ball, hit ball because they're not really sure what they're, they're supposed to be doing. You don't need to worry about the net. Like, no need for a net, but it's the targets that really matter. Yeah, their eyes widen when you give them a racket. They're like, aha. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah. This makes the ball go really far. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh. And it is kind of see ball, hit ball. But I'm, you know, we don't know how long we're going to be in the situation we're in. So I'm just doing a little bit and often and see how we go. We were, we were chatting yesterday on WhatsApp about sort of tennis we were thinking about but we do a little bit of thinking ahead of the pod as in you know what's happened in the tennis world anything really that's happened to talk about and the you know the one thing I thought of no beards what that's not new but have it no it is new when did you last see Rafa Nadal with a beard oh no that is true actually that yeah I, I was very surprised at that so basically they're in a situation now that they have never been in they are used to traveling all of the time, even if it's an injury layoff, it, it's not for that long. And they're probably they're still out and about and doing whatever. Everyone's got a beard. They just all gone bearded. Just letting it go, aren't they? What's the point in shaving? Just letting it go. They just they're just relaxing. I mean, the amount of Instagram stories and videos and bits and pieces you're seeing. And they're all fully bearded. I mean, Roger Federer has become some tennis coach doing little trick shot videos against his wall and his Swish I love shelling. it. And it just shows why he would be a terrible tennis coach. And I say that <laughs> and I fully believe I can't believe, believe you've just said that. I will say that and I will say it again. Roger Federer will be a tennis, terrible tennis coach because if you look at those videos, th- this is just, he's so skillful. I don't think he would be able to understand that somebody couldn't do it. He'd just be like, oh, well, you just do this. And the player would be like, well, I can't. <laughs> just what are you talking about i'm not roger federer i can't do that so oh we'll just you know flick it between the legs how <laughs> i don't know i just do it um i think it, it can be really difficult when you are just that skilled to then not understand just be like what do you mean you can't do it i don't know i see ball hit ball that's how i play <laughs> i can't do it so yeah, I don't know if he will be um, the, the best tennis coach. Obviously, I'm I'm being uh, speaking a little bit in jest, but um, when it comes to the players growing out their beards because they're just getting a little bit sloppy, it does lead me to be a bit concerned about what else they're getting sloppy about. Though I'm now kind of in my head, I've got images of toenails and all sorts. But, like, but didn't you say was it last week or the week before? Didn't you just say you've just got to go with it? You've just got to let it go. We don't yeah. know when we're coming back. We don't know when we're going to work again. They don't know when they're going to play again. You can't just be sort of sitting on the edge of your seat thinking, is it tomorrow? Is it tomorrow? You've just got to basically let it all hang out. Yeah, it seems like Dominic Team is sitting on the edge of his seat. Um, he's like, <laughs> I'm practicing for the grass. I'm practicing for the grass. <laughs> There, there is no players. grass. Yeah, there are certain <laughs> players because I remember um, back at uh, the US Open years and years ago, obviously this was back when I was playing, and we had had torrential rain. You know how it can get. It was like it was a monsoon season. It was a washout day after day after day. And the tournament hadn't actually started, but you know we'd all got there from, I'd played in New Haven or, or wherever, and first day right no practice second day no practice third day no practice fourth day was when the matches were supposed to start uh and no joy like just just rain so we were really really delayed um and then once you got to the fifth day then you could see the people who were like dominic team who were on the edge of their seats because there were a few people out on the practice court in ridiculous rain i mean there must have been two inches of water on the court 
uh, it was absolutely hammering it down. And they were just there, just like playing in the service boxes because you can't really do anything else because they were just kind of like, I haven't played. I haven't played. I can't play a match if I haven't played in four days. It was absolutely extraordinary. Um, but it was hilarious because it was exactly the people that you thought it would be <laughs> if you had to pick them had just gone... I, I don't care that it's raining. I have to practice. And it was unbelievable. But I kind of find for some people... So, for instance, for myself, if I get into something like running every day or something, I'm really good at it and I'll keep... Not obsessively, but I'll keep going. But it's very easy for it to stop happening and then nothing happens. So I'm kind of thinking, what if you're one of those players where you need to keep going, you need to keep yourself really alert and up there? Because if you do let it all hang out, it all hangs out and then it's hard to get going because at some point someone's going to say, possibly this year maybe not there's a tennis point tennis tournament taking place at this point so for some I imagine they've got to keep a certain level of edge of their seat or it's going to be impossible for them to get back into it yeah imagine if the tournament kind of came out of the blue and suddenly it was like (laughs) oh we're ready to go next week everybody get to whatever tournament it is that's supposed to be played um, I think it would be hilarious, like, honestly, because there are some players that can not play for months and months on end, Roger Federer, for example, and they just pick up and they're pretty much as good as they were, but maybe just a, a bit of match tightness, a few tweaks here and there, just need to get going again and they'll be absolutely fine. And there are some players that come back and it is diabolical. Like when they come back from holiday, the first practice session I've seen players who have been kind of, you know, top 10, top 20 in the world after they've done their holiday and they come back for off season, they're hitting drop shots that are landing on their own service line. And they're like, (laughs) they're looking around kind of, okay. I mean, coordination on the serve, like no chance. It's it's unbelievable. And then, but by the time they get to their second practice session, third practice session, they're kind of getting better. But for some people, it really does take a few days to kind of get everything back together. And for others, they're absolutely fine. Um, I was, I'm quite lucky that I was always in, I, I still am in the category where, you know, I could literally not touch a racket for four months and I can walk out and play a match with no warm-up and it's still kind of decent uh the, the movement isn't fabulous <laughs> <laughs> that's what I will say but the shots are still kind of fine it doesn't you know people are always saying kind of like oh you're still hitting but there's just basically two camps everybody's kind of on a scale but you're kind of you head towards one end or the other and uh, it'll be interesting to see again what happens because I think the ones that end up dropping their level a lot are the ones that are more on edge in these sorts of situations uh, because they find it more difficult to get back so they kind of they want to keep it going because if they stop then it's going to be tough to get things back whereas Federer he doesn't care he's like I'll just turn up and be Roger Federer like it's fine well as we know he had the operation he was going to miss a large chunk of this time of the year anyway he wasn't due to be playing at this time because he was due to be recuperating and we expected him all being well to return on the grass so for him he's just carrying on his normal 2020 schedule although probably with a little less movement in terms of moving around places and with fewer people around him yeah and it seems he's in Switzerland isn't he it seems well, it's very looks like snowy it. and cold very snow. and you imagine that if he was preparing to get back to the tour and if he could he'd possibly be in Dubai training that's what he normally would do uh, get a bit of heat and it's tough to play in Switzerland in those conditions <laughs> <laughs> although he's doing it against the wall actually his volley video today was was excellent obviously coach Federer <laughs> <laughs> or oh, not a good coach I'm probably just talking about the fact that Federer would be a terrible coach for me <laughs> that's probably what I'm trying to say is that 
because I have had coaches who have who have done that. Like they've been kind of world class volleyers, and say my coach has got this person in and said, right, help her with her volleys. And after twenty minutes, they're like, what do you mean? Just do that. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Is it because you're intimidated by the person, or you literally just think I can't do this? No, it's it's just a different skill level because like some. Some players grow up and have played touch from the age of five years old. So they have all the drop shot skills. I remember doing a session, uh, Nigel Sears actually was was the coach leading the session. And we started doing backhand angles. Uh, I just out, out of a basket, just fed out of a basket. Like he was just out of his hand, throwing a ball and just like, okay, right, roll the backhand angle. And there was a little zone set up, a little target area. And we'll just groove that and then we'll move it into points and de- into rallies and points and develop it, right? And I, I didn't realise until I attempted to hit a backhand angle that I had never hit one, ever, in my <laughs> life. <laughs> I was probably about 16 at this point. Seven, 16, seven, yeah, 17. And I was thinking, I'd just played Wimbledon. But I was like, uh, I don't think I've ever done that. And likewise, I... 17? Yeah. Didn't you retire at 21? Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I didn't quite get off the mark um but it was the same kind of like with like I'd never tried a backhand drop shot because the thing was is that my clubbed flat backhand was really really good in comparison to the rest of my game it was my biggest strength so if I got a shot on my backhand there's only one thing I was going to do I was going to nail it cross court or nail it down the line there were no other options so when it was kind of like okay right let's, let's do an angle why I've, ne- I've never even considered that <laughs> it's never even crossed my mind but we had this whole session where Nigel uh, I hope he's okay with me saying this I'm sure he will be but he was just tearing his hair out because he was like I, I think we did it for about an hour and I didn't hit it in the target zone once like I mean and then I was training with another girl who was hitting it in the target zone probably two out of three <laughs> I probably hit about 150 backhands and I couldn't get anywhere near. And I'm literally, by the end of it, I'm going, but it's not physically possible to get it up and down over the net into that target. It's not, I'm not having it. And he's like, what are you talking about? And then he just like stood at one end and then just flicked the ball over and was like, like that, do that. And I'm like, I can't because I've never done it. So you have some players that have spent their entire childhood's kind of messing around like Federer has he's outside messing around with his trick shots there are a lot of players that would never consider spending their downtime going outside and messing around with trick shots they just would never do it so they just don't you don't develop the skill and the understandings I never done anything apart from like your method of coaching see ball hit ball so I (laughs) I was quite effective at that hey I didn't say it was my method of coaching I said it's their method of playing well if you claim it as your method of coaching then you're very successful (laughs) You're a great coach. <laughs> well, they're definitely seeing it. They're definitely hitting it. <laughs> but you see what I mean? It's like it, by the time you get to 17, 18 and you've had 12, 13 years of playing tennis, everybody's done it so differently. So some people, as I say, will just spend hours before and after sessions messing around. Some players that you coach, all they want to do is play points. They just want to play points, play points, play points. And they end up being the most competitive of players. And then you get other players that just want to, go in the cross court and drill. So I don't know, it, it kind of works out that way, but you do get to the point. I have had a number of occasions where coaches have just been baffled at the fact that I can't do something that's quite basic. So are you saying, and I'm not saying 17 is old, and maybe it is in the sporting world these days, but that you can't teach an old dog new tricks? <laughs> um, no, you can, but you 
as I was saying, that there was a, a, a kind of, it was disjointed between the coach and the player because you, you can teach them, but the coach has to understand that the player has never done this. So I would say to them, like, I've never hit a backhand angle. And they, I don't think they would really understand what I was trying to say. When I, was, I'm like, when I say never, I mean never, ever. Like, like never, ever, ever. And I, I remember, I remember another session with one of my coaches. Oh my God. It's around the same time where we they were like, okay, well, this is a bit of fun at the end. Let's do some forehand drop shots. And I'd never hit a forehand drop shot. Now the thing is you have a forehand grip and to hit a forehand drop shot, you need to change your grip to a chopper grip. But I didn't know that. So I tried to hit a drop shot with a forehand grip and it just went into the floor. And I literally looked at my racket as if kind of, what what happened there? And the coach was like, tell me you're joking. And I'm like, okay. And he was like, try again. And I did it again. And I'm like, why is it going into the floor? He was like, I think he said to me something like, you've got to come underneath the ball. But then trying to come underneath the ball, I was literally breaking my wrist because I had the wrong grip. Oh, (laughs) those are the days. At the moment, there's a lot of people doing a lot of things on their own because we're quarantined. We're both in the UK largely indoors i mean the the government advice for those listening to this abroad are um if you have a dog you can take the dog out for a walk if you need to exercise you can go out once a day or for essentials like food yeah you say that though you say sorry to interrupt you say that but i try to take the dog for i was a doing walk. my government announcement then carry on <laughs> sorry it's very official but i was trying to take the dog for a walk earlier and we got as soon as he'd you know done his business he was like okay home now not interested. We didn't even make it to the park. Yeah, but he must have been walked so... He's not used to having both to of you fair, around yeah. this much. <laughs> this poor dog has probably had his legs walked off. Yeah, that is a possibility. Um, he's quite an easy dog to look after. But yeah, I mean, we basically made it to the top of the road. And he was just pulling home. And then as soon as we got home, went to sleep. So... There you go. So I don't even get my walk. That's it. That's my once a day done. It was only 20 minutes. So uh, th- th- there's varying degrees of this around the world. But in light of this, Tennis Channel, you can find this tweet on their feed uh, from what day are we doing this? Tuesday. I still don't know what day it is. Tuesdays. This would have been Monday night. They had choose your quarantine house. Four tennis players packed four. Four houses, sorry, packed full of tennis players, and you have to choose which house you'd go in. So, house one, Naomi Osaka, Matteo Berrettini, Carolina Pliskova, Rafa Nadal, and Serena Williams. I mean, that's just a no, straight off the bat. <laughs> I haven't okay, even uh, seen the why, other houses, but no, no. But why is that a no? Um, I don't, I have to, you've got to give me some reasons why that's. I mean, for me, that's a no as well. I don't know, really. I think probably, I mean, Pliskova's pretty cool to hang out with. But she's just she's just super chill, isn't she? She's very so laid she, back. She'd yeah. just be like, oh, whatever, you know, have a beer. It's fine. Um, but you've got some big personalities in there with, uh, you know, obviously you've got Serena there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on it. But I must say, there's nothing grabbing me about that house. Okay, so move on to house two. Do them in order. Simona Halep. Roger Federer, Angelique Kerber, Gail Monfils and Sloane Stephens. Now that's a much better looking house, must say. Not in terms of physical appearance. That's not what I was judging on. <laughs> but um, I, think, I think that's better. Would you, would you prefer house two to house one? I prefer house two to house one. Yeah, I think house two is uh, going to be more interesting chat. 
Yes, I think there's 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 a bit of a mix in there, isn't there? House, House three, Novak Djokovic, Coco Golf, Stefanos Tsitsipas, Ash Barty, and Dominic Team. See, that is quite a combination. There's a lot about that house that I like. I must say, I think you could play some good games. I think you get some really good games going in there. Some good conversation again. I think that might be my favourite one so far. And house four, Nick Kyrgios. He had to pop up in a house, didn't he? Nick Kyrgios, Venus Williams, Alex de Menor, probably to keep Nick Kyrgios company. <laughs> Daniel Medvedev. And if she was fit and healthy enough, Bianca Andreescu. I'm, all, all I'm thinking is just a conversation kind of with a cup of coffee between Nick Kyrgios and Venus Williams and how that <laughs> might go. <laughs> Venus would just be like staring at him like, what are you saying? What are you doing? <laughs> um, and uh, then Dimonor would probably be translating and be the sort of the middle person in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's a bunch of youngsters and then Venus thrown in there who's significantly older. Um, I think that is definitely the most rowdy house. I Round, think that's, uh, well, it's the most yeah, characterful. Yeah, I think Nick Kyrgios and Daniel Medvedev locked in a house together for more than, a, I was about to say a few days, more than a few hours. That 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 could get a little bit tasty. I think they'd be friends by the end. I think they'd be friends, but I think there'd be a, a few moments during their time in quarantine. Yeah. No, it would be fiery, that house. But I think... That house would just be a party house. And then you've got like, it would be like a cool kids party and then like Venus doing karaoke at the side. (laughs) (laughs) That would be... So your your house, your quarantine house of choice, these were chosen by Tennis Channel is... I think I'd probably go with house number three. The slight concern is Coco Goff there because it's not like you could drink any alcohol or something because let's bear in mind we're all not training to be professional tennis players so you would you know you're just hanging out aren't you in the house just quarantine I don't think Novak Djokovic really drinks anyway do you oh yeah and I'm not necessarily I don't and didn't Stefano Sitzbass at the Labour Cup wasn't didn't he say something that's the first time he's got drunk oh yes but he drank the champagne didn't he okay so that's not the drinking house so I probably should go to house four if that's what I'm interested in (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's a uh, I don't think, I think Ash Barty might have a couple. I, d- I don't see, I think Ash Barty would be the biggest drinker in that house. That is a dry probably. house, you're right, that's, actually. Yeah, that's, I think alcohol-wise, I think, I don't think you're getting an awful lot in that. I think you've got to go to house four. I think I'd like to be in a house with Ash, though. I think that would be really interesting. I think Sitsipas would be interesting if you can't, once you get on board, like you've got to get on Sitsipas speak speak his language and then I think you can kind of understand it but look I mean clearly the most fun house is house four isn't it yeah but I think you're right I think I would I, I think I think the most fun of the houses is four but I think if I had to be in one it would be three being number three why is that I just think the mix I think it's I think it's an interesting mix of people there's something about house two um I don't want to say it'd be dull at all but I so who's in that again house two Simona Halep Roger Federer, Angelique Kerber, Gail Monfils, Sloane Stevens. A lot of grand slams. There's a yes. Does that make a fun quarantine house? <laughs> Do we have lots of trophies <laughs> to drink out of? And and Simona Halep is is one of my favourite players on the tour. There's just something about that house that's. I think if if I had to live in one. It'd be house three. If I could be a fly on a wall in one, it'd probably be house four. Yeah, I mean house. Yeah, exactly. If it was for a night, 
House four would be cool. But can you imagine if we were doing like a six week quarantine? I don't know if house if we could survive house four with Kyrgios, Venus, Dimonor, Medvedev and Andreescu. Yeah, I think it I think I'd probably be house three. I think that would I think that would be uh but but let it let us know if there's a house that you would or, or wouldn't be on amongst those. Now we have a quiz inspired by yourself from the quiz that you did recently with your friends when you made them go and get things like household objects. Yes. 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 And we actually, we did a quiz at the weekend with some fellow we did. tennis commentator friends. Yeah, we were quite in sync, actually, weren't we? We came up with a couple of identical answers. Some right, some wrong. We came joint second. Yeah. Right. So, but inspired by your quiz you did, we asked people listening to come up with a quiz so we just said athletes really who's within their name you could find a household object and I've got to say that Philip Avery is an absolute star and has come up with 20 20 wow 20 all tennis players all with a household item in their name yeah and and also thanks to Eric and Karthik who who added in Eric added in another tennis player and Karthik added in a cricketer so what I'm going to do I'm going to work out a way to get it on the website Twitter and Instagram by the end of the week I have enough time so people can have a go and see if they can get them but I've got a few for you now okay you don't have to go and get the item because that would just be really bad podcast listening with with you you running off around your house and I'm like to play some music in the background okay so here's just a few these are from Philip okay okay great thanks Philip Okay, and they're they're very easy, but I need to know what is the household thing. Don't say they're very easy before we do it. That's okay. That's terrible coaching. That's like telling your player that their opponent is rubbish before they go and play. If you do not get the answer to this first one, you need to give up a career in tennis. Oh my. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Right. Austrian, future French Open champion. (laughs) Well, that's not even a fact. That's just guesswork. But who is it? I don't know. What I mean, maybe Barbara Shett is a future French Open <laughs> champion. Who knows? Um, but I will be saying uh, Dominic Team. And what is the object that you'd have to go and get? Uh, <laughs> a dom. <laughs> Do you have many of those in your a house? Min. Do you a min. A nick. A T. 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 <laughs> but it's not actually written in his name. His name is spelled T H I E M. That's not T. Yeah, but it's got to be, it, it's kind of loosely around the edges of okay, some of them. Okay, fine. Right. Okay. Part, okay. I, I'm sorry, Philip. You know she does this. Sorry. She can't just be grateful that you took a lot of time to put this together. No. <laughs> Question number two. Because we had a little chat about team, didn't we? A little bit earlier. So I'm going to. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, move on. Okay, this one. Corey, call me. Coco. There we go. Ah, okay. Well, I actually have Coco in my store cupboard that I cleaned <laughs> earlier. I found two packs. It's <laughs> incredible to think, though, she's 52 in the world and she is 16 years of age. Do you think, is this a good or a bad thing, this massive break? Because this potentially could have been a big year, bigger year for her. Good or bad thing that she's having this downtime? Uh, if she can physically train properly, I think that it's it's fine. It's probably, I'd just put it on being a good thing. Um, for her because the most important thing for her is her physical development when you're young this is the mo- the biggest worry I think for the young teenagers that are even not at the level that, that Coco Goff is you know even if you're playing juniors you're a top 20 junior player or you're ranked a thousand in WTA but you're 14 or whatever the 
most important thing is developing physically as an athlete, uh, developing your strengths, working on your weaknesses, you know, really working on your physical work, technically making sure you're balanced and all that sort of thing. So you need to be able to do that properly. It's tough to do that just at home. Yes, there's a lot you can do, but those developmental years are huge for players in terms of how they're going to be later on once they, they get onto the tour fully week in, week out. And for golf, I mean, ultimately, look, she's still restricted on the amount of tournaments she's allowed to play. So I don't think it's a, a disaster. As I say, I mean, I imagine she's in the States, right? So uh, it seems like you can train, maybe not get on a tennis court, but you can do a fair amount of physical work. So hopefully that will get taken care of. And then I think probably all in all will be a positive. And also being a relatively normal 16 year old. Because she can't be, I cannot get over the amount of people she has in her box, in her entourage. There is just row upon row upon row upon is row. Is it the biggest, do you think, of Maybe, I, Looking at it and looking at it at the US Open, I would say yes. I mean, there was row upon row upon row upon row. Who would rival it? Serena's is fairly hefty. Um, Nishikori's can get full depending on where he's playing. I was playing. about to say Sasha Zverev's, but in comparison, all of these, all of these boxes in comparison to to Goff's recent box that, and I know it's it's still very early, but there were just so many people from so many different areas of management agencies and coaches and different training academies, and obviously her parents, and it just it seems to go. So, so maybe it's a good thing that she's at home with her her, her parent, her family, immediate family, and. Of course, there's still going to be discussions and conference calls and all this kind of planning for her huge future, which undoubtedly she's going to have. But she could just be fairly normal for a period of time. Yeah, which, of course, will be a, a big bonus as well. The only thing is you can't really see her friends or hang out with them. So it'll just be very much. But, but at that age, traveling, it's still kind of FaceTime and all that bit. Yeah, exactly. So they'll, they'll, they'll be all right. I, I'm, yeah, of... no, I'm, I'm sure on the whole, it won't be too damaging to her prospects. Another easy one for you here. Ooh. German female player, former number one. Yeah. Okay, I got a couple in my mind. Three-time Grand Slam winner. One, two, three. Angelique Kerber. So what would you bring me? Gel. Yes. Not everyone. Gel. Not <laughs> Not everyone. Philip. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Philip. <laughs> not everyone would have gel, but it is something you might have in your house, right? I don't have gel. And I was thinking... I bet Philip is a wearer of gel. Has there been a wearer of gel or a gel wearer? A wearer of gel. A wearer of gel. Gel wearer. <laughs> sorry, Philip. I mean, look, let's be fair. It wasn't the best English. <laughs> I can understand your confusion. <laughs> Philip... Philip, just get in touch, let us know. But I was, I was thinking about Angelique Kerber, and I've picked the ones just for the podcast that we can chat about, is mm. that when some people and when some players achieve as much as she did, and we think back to 2016 and what an incredible year that was, and then 2018 there was the Wimbledon win, and she's been world number one, she then just sort of dropped off and it happened quietly, and she's sitting at 21 in the world, but it's not a thing, it's not a problem, it's not an issue, she is just there. Yeah, well, she she fell away, didn't she, for a year. Once she got to number one, she was incredibly uncomfortable being number one in the world, I think, for an awfully long time. I went as far as to say at one stage that I thought she'd hated every minute of being number one in the world, which I think is probably untrue. But that's just what it felt like a lot of the time. It just felt like it didn't suit her. It wasn't what she wanted. It was almost like she ended up there by accident, which, of course, is not what happened. It was all very deliberate. Um, and she was just amazing. She was the best player in the world at that time. And like you say, she won three Grand Slams. But 
it just didn't sit well with her. She couldn't handle the pressure. And the thing is, is that dealing with pressure or people who can't deal with pressure, it manifests itself in different ways. I think people always assume of somebody choking or, you know, starts crying on court, particularly, you know, you know, just gets very anxious, that sort of thing. But that doesn't necessarily... For me, I don't think that is the most common form of not dealing with pressure. The most common form of not being able to deal with pressure is just not playing well. It's just not being able to play well uh, and losing your confidence. And both of those things can happen purely because of pressure. And I think that's what we saw from her speech. She had a really rotten year where she fell all the way down. And then she started working with Wimfersett and then got all the way back up again. uh, Won another slam. And then, yeah, has kind of tailed off again so it's interesting I thought the second time she got right up towards the top end of the game that she would be far more comfortable with it because she'd kind of sorted it all out and knew what it was about um but maybe not next one these are very straightforward I've, I've gone really nice and easy on you okay so here we go Canadian male okay I've got a few in mind got a few in mind let's narrow it down a little bit more 29 <laughs> years of age okay I've got one in mind should be down to just one or two around there. One Wimbledon doubles with Jack Sock in 2014. One Wimbledon doubles with Jack Sock in 2014. Oh. They also won Indian Wells together. And then they couldn't play in the Olympics together because one was Canadian, one was American. So they had to go well, there that, separate, separate ways. Um, very injury prone. Oh, actually, that counts for both of them that you're probably thinking of. Well, yeah. Well, I was thinking of Milos Raonic, but then I suddenly realised that there's no household item for Milos. Think of the other slightly crooked Canadian male player who feels like he's been around forever. Vasek Pospisil. There we go. What are you going to get for that? A vase. A vase. (laughs) (laughs) Philip. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I do have a vase, I must say. Sorry, Philip. And I was thinking about Vasek Pospisil. This year, he's been in a final, a quarter final, and he's been to the round of 16 twice. So if we're talking about people who are really not going to benefit from this break he was fit he was healthy he was doing well then all of a sudden it shuts down I mean that yeah. must that must be really tough yeah look there are a lot of players this is going to hurt more than others um also depends how long it goes for um, I mean Vasek uh it has had a really strong year actually it's been good to see him back and, and doing as well as he is and you know he's always vocal so even when he's not been doing well because he talks about the player council and player rights and and a players association that sort of thing you kind of always feel like he's kind of right up at the, the you know in that top bracket in the game you will only need the first part of this clue in the final quiz question i'm going to give you on the pod okay right okay beardy french bloke <laughs> is that <laughs> how is there more to that clue oh there's more to that clue oh well it's, it's Benoit Pair. Uh, the next part from Philip was might have broken a record or two at the ATP Cup and every other oh, tournament wow. he's ever entered. I could add on to that bit. So, Possibly. So for Benoit Pair, what would you be coming back with? I'd be getting a pear, but I've used my pears in my pear and ginger cake. So I'd have to bring you a slice of cake. Or Philip says you could bring a pair of socks. Ah, yes. Pear or pear. Okay. Well, yeah, fair enough. Well, actually, the pear, P-A-I-R, is the one in his name. So really, you should be bringing a pair of something. Oh, Philip, I'm sorry. You put all <laughs> you put you put all this work into this quiz, and I knew this was going to happen. Now I have to go because I've got a tennis lesson very shortly. Oh, 
of course. Seaball hitball half hour is what we call it. Get your targets out. <laughs> Seaball hitball. If we've got any balls left, I'm actually thinking, I'm not sure we have. So I've got my coaching appointment with a couple of four-year-olds. Um, I'd like to apologise again to Matthew, <laughs> who, who, oh, hello, Matthew. Su- who submitted questions. See, Matthew, she's being nice to her until she hears the questions and then she won't like the questions. But uh, <laughs> the questions that you were going to answer this week, you're now going to answer next week. So I'm sorry, Matthew, but we are <laughs> going to get to the questions. Um, thank you very much for that. And I'm going to think of a way of getting this quiz out there on social media somehow. Yeah, that'd yeah? be great. Well, enjoy the tennis. Uh, get your targets out. Let me know how it goes. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's, it's going to be a little same as normal. I'm going to throw a ball and say gently. <laughs> They're going to swing at it and it's going to end up in the neighbour's garden. Enjoy the cake. Um, I'm off to teach some tennis. <laughs> I will enjoy my cake. <laughs> <laughs> I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.